Uh, the website's not dead. There are definitely transactions that happen on Google where people don't make it to your site. So that is true. But your site is the main thing that contributes to where you rank. So if you try to rank without a website, like just set up a free GMB website, for example, you are going to have a really hard time controlling where you show up, ranking for more terms. Like there's nothing you can do SEO-wise on a GMB website. So you a thousand percent need a website if you want more traffic. And then just on the organic side, I feel like organic people might think it's kind of going away, but we're not seeing that at all. Like, especially in home services, we see a lot of traffic, more traffic coming in from organic than GMB for some industries. Now, like locksmiths, for example, we don't necessarily see that. We see more from Google My Business. But I'd say that industry is a great one where we had a locksmith client hire us. And you can just tell that like none of their competitors were investing in SEO. They're either you know, getting it overseas really cheap or just not doing anything. And like the amount that we were able to make a dent in their organic presence was like massive. Like their their traffic just like skyrocketed because nobody else was investing in any of it. So there's so lots of opportunity there. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. My name's Tommy Mello, and today I got an awesome guest visiting us from Uxbridge, Ontario. She's an expert at SEO, online marketing, online advertising, social media marketing, and blogging. Joy Hawkins is uh, part of Sterling Sky Incorporated. She's the owner president from 2017 till now. She also used to be part of Impresio Marketing, local SEO product consultant from 2004 to 2016. Done a lot in the SEO world. Joy Hawkins is the owner and president of Sterling Sky Incorporated and search engine land columnist. Since she started working in the local SEO industry in 2006, she has looked at and worked on thousands of local listings for SMB or it's GMBs in the United States and Canada. She loves spending time managing Google Ads uh, accounts and certified in both Google Search and Display. She has been a speaker on various search engine marketing conferences such as SMX and Local U, PubCon, and MozCon. I had Matthew Woodward on a couple of times and I talked to him pretty much every week. Are you familiar with Matthew? Yep. I love this stuff. You are like, I am so excited for this. So I appreciate you coming on, Joy. How's your day going? What's the weather like? What's going on? Uh, it's kind of rainy here. So not, not great. <laughs> well, I am going to drill you through this on the best way to do this. You know, right now we're at about 40,000 downloads a month and Everybody wants to know more about what they could do to make their their stuff better. So why don't you just start out by telling us how you got into SEO world, how you're, you've moved so close to Google and everything that's happened over the last few years. Well, it, it started kind of accidentally. Uh, I was going to school for marketing, advertising, and then wanted to get a job, something related to my field. So I applied for this uh, job doing telemarketing selling Google ads. I didn't even know what Google ads were. Um, this was back in 2006. And then kind of got interested more in SEO because I found like that was the thing that business owners were always asking me about. They were obsessed with uh, when it first came out called Google Places, but those like used to be seven listings. Now it's three beside the map. So I kind of started getting obsessed with them because I kept getting questions from my clients about them and kind of self-taught myself how to get set up, how to rank, started 
messing around with things, trying to figure out like which things actually influenced ranking and which things didn't. And, you know, fast forward over a decade later, I'm here. <laughs> That's the summary. I don't know how old you are, but I was in school when search engines were coming out and we used to use this thing called ProFusion. There was all these different things going on. AOL was really big. Mm-hmm. And um, Google kind of just got it started. It kept coming. And then it was like, nothing else existed for a long time. And then being, I honestly don't understand how they're not a monopoly. They pretty much are. I mean, there's nothing that comes close to the amount of traffic that uh, Google drives, right? Like we, we spend a little, like really little bit of effort even looking at Bing just because the, the volume is nothing compared to Google. So they don't really have any real competition at the moment, which is why we kind of focus on them so much, right? So yeah, I don't see that changing. I think like DuckDuckGo and, and Bing, they kind of, you know, maybe together are like 5% of the traffic that we see coming in. Whereas, you know, Google's uh, 90, 80 or more percent. All right. So I've got all these questions, but I'm just going to just come off the top of my head here for a while, if you don't mind. Um, Mm -hmm. So we've got four different algorithms that I know about that I run on. We've got pay-per-click. We all know pay-per-click, three ads usually. They're placing them differently now. We've got the GMB. You could do a paid GMB above it. Certain times it shows up. You've got the LSA, Google Guarantee, local service ads, and then you've got your strictly organic, and then you got some pop-up stuff with the display stuff, but I guess there's five. But, you know, these days, SEO, the generic organic SEO, it's hard to get found. I, I look at my GMB. We do UTM perimeters around everything to see what's going on with our Google page and the traffic, and there's just it's changed drastically to where it's almost, you got to pay to play, right? So talk to me a little bit about the different algorithms and your take on what's happening with Google. Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting because local service ads expanded to lawyers this year. So we have lots of clients that do home services, but we also have quite a few in the legal space. So we got to see like firsthand the introduction of these ads, like what it did to their performance on other areas. So what we found was that when local service ads started appearing, it didn't actually cut into traffic from Google My Business or the local section too much. Like on average, the average law firm in our study that we did lost like five clicks a month. So nothing like substantial or or massive. Where we saw a huge dent was in their paid traffic. So like when local service ads come out, your traditional Google ads account is going to change drastically, like the performance. We saw a lot of negative changes, but as long as you're refining and, and making sure that you're targeting keywords that are not serving local services ads, I would say you know you might want to still keep your your regular Google Ads account running as well. But it had a really huge impact more on the ad side than stealing traffic from organic. So it's kind of kind of a good thing. So one of the things that I do with I work with Matt um, Matthew, we look a lot at the uh, HREFs, and I'm a 62 now, which is pretty good. I'd like to bump to get that to 70. And if I could get it to 75, I think I'll rank my manufacturers actually. But the thing that I'm wondering is that's good and gravy. And it's really cool that I could come up in the search for a lot of stuff. And the blogs does really well. But it seems like to me, the only things I could really do well on is when you're comparing products like a manufacturer versus another manufacturer or certain things like what's best if my house is facing west for garage doors and I'm a garage door company or what do you think still is the best play and I want to go through each one of these because I want to go through all four 
And like I said, as I'm just going to drill you, this is going to be super fun because I think it's going to be, if you guys don't know that are listening, usually there's about 40,000 downloads a month. Joy is the best there is. People study her. They watch. There's only a few people like Joy in the world and she's on here. So I really, really appreciate it once again. So I'm going to just take the time I have with you and uh, selfishly just continue to ask tough questions. But where do we win on SEO these days on organic? Yeah. So I have a lawn care client. I'll probably mention them a bit because I work really closely with them. So I know like everything about their account. They were our first client. So they kill it when it comes to organic. They actually get more leads from organic than they do from Google My Business because frankly, they just have more reach. Google My Business, unfortunately, you are limited. Like there's only so far away that you can rank with a specific location. And where they really kill it with on the organic end is a combination, I guess. Like they have some articles, they don't convert super well. Like usually articles are not lead magnets, but their service area pages perform amazing. So they they have really well done um, you know, pages for all the different cities they service, about 15 or 20 of them. And those are usually the ones that like the leads just pour in on. So those still work really, really well if they're done right. Yeah. And then and then do you recommend having um a video on those pages as well? Yeah. The only thing with a video I would say is um, make sure it's not super high on the page. We've actually done some testing where we had a client who had their video like as the first thing on their page. And if the first thing that Google sees when they scan your site is a whole bunch of code, that can actually have a negative impact on your ranking. We found the same thing with widgets. So like we had a client that had a Yelp widget on the top of their page and moving it down, we saw an increase um, in the ranking. So videos are good, but just make sure there's a bunch of content before it. Okay, so I'm just going to jump right into a bunch of other stuff. So so organic rankings, that now what happens is, and I'm going to explain this to the, the, the audience too, is normally if it's a paid term that Google knows they're going to make money, they're going to have the LSA at the top sometimes, the top three. Then they're going to have, as you go down, a couple PPC ads, then the GMB, then the organic listings. My question for you is, how are potential clients customers of ours in the landscaping industry we're expecting them to go on their cell phone or go on google and just you know take the mouse pen and just scroll you said we get a lot of action from it for the landscape company i don't know if you want to tell us who that is it's probably personal information but no okay um i will i mean they told me it's okay but yeah no i'll, I'll leave them in honest for now okay. uh, just in case you know their competitors are listening <laughs> sure sure that's good and we'll, we'll get into this charles so what I mean by that is if you look up how whales poop, you're going to come up with an organic listing. There's not going to be anybody paying for that term. So you're going to find a lot of stuff on exactly what's going on with how whales poop. And then what happens is the Google My Business page is your location. And then the local service ads is Google guarantees that service that they've done a background check, usually through Pinkerton. And so people are asking questions here. So I'm just kind of clarifying. And there's no way for me to make them visible to you, but I'll share some of them in a minute. And then the deal is, is the pay-per-click is just simply pay for play. But if you got a high quality score, you'll pay a lot cheaper. Coca-Cola could pay a penny when, when Pepsi might pay a dollar for a Coke term. And they'll let, they want, they want the users to be happy with the search results and pay-per-click too. So still going back, I, I don't know if there's any shortcuts or any, just not shortcuts, but any good advice because a lot of people are saying websites are dying. It's really your Google My Business page. It's really, they literally have said that. They said, no one's visiting your website unless you've got a good gallery on there or something. 
So what do you say as far as the organic side? So that's definitely not true. I've heard that a lot myself, though. It's kind of like a a trendy thing that people say. Uh, The website's not dead. There are definitely transactions that happen on Google where people don't make it to your site. So that is true. But your site is the main thing that contributes to where you rank. So if you try to rank without a website, like just set up a free GMB website, for example, you are going to have a really hard time controlling where you show up, ranking for more terms. Like there's nothing you can do SEO-wise on a GMB website. So you a thousand percent need a website if you want more traffic. And then just on the organic side, I feel like organic people might think it's kind of going away, but we're not seeing that at all. Like, especially in home services, we see a lot of traffic, more traffic coming in from organic than GMB for some industries. Now, like locksmiths, for example, we don't necessarily see that. We see more from Google My Business. But I'd say that industry is a great one where we had a locksmith client hire us. And you can just tell that like none of their competitors were investing in SEO. They're either, you know, getting it overseas really cheap or just not doing anything. And like the amount that we were able to make a dent in their organic presence was like massive. Like their their traffic just like skyrocketed because nobody else was investing in any of it. So there's lots of opportunity there. Yeah, I I agree. The biggest spam in the world is locksmiths and garage drawers. Locksmiths being the highest one. That's why there's advanced verification, which they do a background check on me. Mm -hmm. They make us go around. And here's what's crazy is Yext is basically the back end of every review tool out there. And we'll talk a little bit about Yext, but it's all about citation sites. And and I might be speaking a different language to certain people, but citation sites are Yellowbot, Yelp, Angie's List. They could go on and on. There's thousands of them. But the other day, we switched to the back end of Service Titan. Are you familiar with Service Titan? No. It's a CRM, and, and they have their own little reputation management to make sure our clients are leaving reviews. And, you know, there's so many things that now you're not allowed to lead the customer in a separate direction, which we don't do. But something happened and they took down one of our sites, a couple listings of our Google My Business pages with with 500 plus reviews. And my marketing team specifically told me to ask you this. You know, we've got literally we've got signage on the building. We've got tools. We've got inventory. We've got bills, utility bills. We've been there for three years. And then someone in India or somewhere around the, the world just says, not a good listing. When this is about as more, a geo, it's geotagging you as you go when you're on a Google Hangout and showing them. You're showing your face. You're showing this. You're showing them the vehicle. You're showing them starting the car, the wrapped vehicle, the license plate, the sort of, I mean, our business cards. What could it possibly be when I've got people around me in an apartment saying they're GMBs that we can't get verified? So yeah, just remember that Google tracks everything you do, right? So when you are using your Google account for ads, when you're using it to submit edits on Google Maps, when you're using it for Google My Business, all those things are connected to the same account. So you could do something misleading on the Google Ads and, for example, and get your account suspended. Like you, you can do lots of things, break lots of policies and rules across Google that will cause them to basically like label you as a spammer. So I've seen it on like the map side. I've seen people have that happen because they're editing business listings and maybe the, the edits they're submitting look malicious, you know, in nature, which I'm sure you're probably familiar with. Like it happens a lot in the garage door industry, in the locksmith industry. People try and get their competitors' listings removed by submitting edits on them. So all of those things can contribute to like how Google measures you and if they trust you. 
So it's, it's just really important to keep their policies in mind and just know that that breaking one of them could technically like influence your entire account. See, but, but the hard part is Google is collecting data. I mean, I've studied the algorithms when Panda and Penguin and all this crap came out like what, 10 years ago now and mobile getting and everything. And, and what they're doing is collecting data, but, and everybody's asking about it is the spammy. You can put up a million of them and sometimes they rank number one. Why does Google allow that to happen? And when are they going to get rid of it? Because you know, they know that mm-hmm. these aren't real businesses. Why do they allow apartments or residential homes to compete with people that are real businesses? Yeah. So lead gen, which is what, what I call it, but that's kind of what you're referring to is, is really common in your space. So marketing companies will basically find loopholes and ways to get listings set up to sell the leads to real businesses. So, you know, they'll name themselves ABC, Garage Doors, Scottsdale, and then, you know, start ranking for Garage Doors, Scottsdale because it's in their business name. So I think there's kind of two problems Google needs to solve. One, they're never ahead of the spammers. They're usually like three steps behind. So by the time Google's figured out, you know, the strategy that these companies are using to get these listings verified, they've already found a new strategy. So that's kind of been the case for the last decade that I've been monitoring that. The other problem is that the business name has way too much of a a weight in where you rank. So if they don't fix that, people are going to continue to get these brand new listings to rank and they're going to continue to want to sell them because there was an article in the uh, Wall Street Journal, I think it was last two years ago, they talked about and they interviewed this guy that made like $3,400 a day creating fake listings on Google Maps. And like, it's just kind of crazy when you think about the opportunity that the marketing companies have. So if they can make money, they're going to continue to do it. Okay. So let's go through a couple of things here. I got a, a lot of insight and I want to ask you, number one, are you familiar with Mattress Firm? Sounds familiar, but not not super familiar. <laughs> mattress Firm is just, it's a mattress store that they actually created a way just to to literally have cameras that people could go in and they could talk to you. They could see everything going on and they could lock people out and they got people not far away. but. You know, these mattress firms, they'll have 20 of them, small locations, not a ton of mattresses. And, and it's legal, like literally, they're a physical location there. Now, there's two ways to do a business. Either you come into my shop, because I do have a showroom, or we're a service company. The problem is, I have 70 trucks in Phoenix. I could outservice anybody. Now, Google won't give me the benefit of that. So, what ends up happening in an area like Phoenix, literally, I could be an hour and a half away. So there's people that set up multiple showrooms, which I think is fine if you have the customers show up to the showrooms. Real locations. And it's like a movie theater. If you come into my showroom or my art gallery or whatever, I think that's fine. I want to know your, your perspective because people have real Google My Business pages. And I do think that a lot of them should exist. Other people create a bunch of them. And now you can't do the old stuff at the storage units. You know, I guess in some industries, but garages and, and what we're using with advanced verification and stuff, it's they don't do the, uh, what are those fake um, offices with the... Virtual offices. The virtual offices and stuff. So, but I still wonder all the time, a lot of people are commenting and saying, I don't, number one, it is Black Hat to form a bunch of fake GMBs. I mean, I don't know that someone asked the question, is it Black Hat? But they have multiple per market. I don't think as long as you got real people going in there, one of the things Google wants is a real setup with real employees that are really alive in there and they want to make sure it's real. So what would you say about multiple GMBs and how is that fair to a company that really trains and has 30 
vehicles with all W-2 employees? So it's tough. Like they don't really have a good solution for it. So we've always said like Google My Business is kind of screwed over um, service area businesses. Like it, it was never designed for service area businesses. So they kind of have tried to figure it out and done a really poor job of it. Franchises are one way that kind of gets around it. You know, you see lots of franchises where they've got individual franchises kind of spread out and they're always allowed their own listings because it's clear that you can't go to franchise A and get service if you hired franchise B. So they kind of have that clear distinction. So I know Google's goal is to really not have one company monopolize the search results. But if you have separate staff, technically you're allowed a separate listing. But it's kind of hard because it's like, how do you prove that? So I'd say like if you if you go that route or you're trying to do like the whole franchise thing, just making sure that like the pages on your site are really clear, like this is the manager of this location and here's the employees and this is specifically what this location service is and this is our phone number and like trying to make it as unique as possible. But it's hard to tell the difference between a legitimate one and one where it's just the same company creating, you know, 15 listings using their employees' home addresses. Well, there's a difference there, I think between the home addresses and also saying, look, I'll use Phoenix because I live in Phoenix. It's an hour and a half from the east to the west. If you go to all the way out Sun City West, all the way to an area like Queen Creek, and you'd want an area in each of those areas that you have a place where they could come sit down for the meetings, grab inventory, not drive an hour and a half away. But really, theoretically, and strategically, you want to get shown on the map too that we, we service your area. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'll just say it. Like people want to get found on Google. I mean, every business does. Uh, yesterday, I went ATV in with my niece and nephews. They're in town from Milwaukee, and the guy had a listing in a whole other area for a mailing address because he's way out in the national park. And he goes, "If this was my listing, I wouldn't even show up." And so we went to the wrong spot. And I'm like, "I'm not mad at you. I'm like, I'm just mad that it didn't. We didn't go to the right address. And I'm not even mad about that. But, but I feel his pain, and it's not really." Google's supposed to be the best, the best. And I'm going through this going, okay, LSA ads. Let's really talk about LSA. They don't give a crap about GMB. They're letting it happen. LSA, they care a lot more. And now I'm starting to realize the faster you answer the phone, the faster you get out there. Google's really getting into, and they've always been, but now they're really getting into the data. How quick can you get out there? Are you booking the job or not? What's the answering service like? They can tell the tone of your voice when you answer. They're pulling in this data. They can literally tell more than any other company, I think, pretty much alive. So what I think is going to happen, and I want to hear your your theory, Joy, is I think what's going to happen is very, very in the future here, uh, the next year or two, they're going to get away from GMBs and they're going to make very real locations. They got vehicles that are already driving themselves, verifying that stuff really exists. And I think what they're going to do is give the best possible outcome to the person calling and just because they're not necessarily the closest company, if they're the best trained, the best reviewed, the fastest answering, the best empathy in their voice, that they're going to get the job. And I think it's going to be just like Panda and Penguin came out. It's going to be sudden, and it's going to throw the whole industry on its butt by not doing the right thing today. And I want to hear, is there a possibility for that or am I way off? I mean, there's definitely possibilities for them to change about how they're doing that. But I would say they're probably already doing that because technically on the organic side, click-through rate is a huge ranking factor. So, you know, doing whatever you can to entice people to click on you or like choose you, right? So you do that by having the best reviews and having good reviews and things like that. Like those all contribute to your click-through rate and click-through rate is definitely a ranking factor. Like there's no question, both in the local results and the organic results. 
So they're, they're already kind of trying to do that. And it's the same thing with local service ads. Like you said, the rate that you respond to your calls is a factor in how often your ads show. So what is your take on Yext? You know, before when I used to do my citation sites myself, I'd go through and add as many pictures. They'd be geotagged. I'd add a video. I'd add a description with just enough keywords that I wasn't keyword stuffing. I mean, this is back 10 years ago. And Yext was like, stay away from Yext because once you're on it, you can't get off it. You had to pay them. But it seems like Google and Yext have partnered up in some ways. What are your thoughts? Google doesn't um, partner with Yext, to my knowledge. Like, I don't think there's any relationship there. But Yext definitely has a partnership with Yahoo. So if you care about getting more traffic from Yahoo, Yext would be a good option. And that, that might sound funny, but like there is a small amount of traffic that still comes from Yahoo. It's just nothing like more similar to like Yelp or another directory. I usually suggest to our clients that they get Yext if they have a high ticket sale. So like if their average sale is really high and it's worthwhile to pay an annual fee of $600, then Yext is a good idea. But if you're like a locksmith, maybe not. Because honestly, at the end of the day, it's not a huge differentiating factor. It just makes it easier to control your information online. But you could technically do it yourself manually for a one-time cost instead of $600 a year. So you familiar with Gary Vanderchuk? Yes. So Gary V was in town three days ago and I got invited. There was about 20 of us. And he goes, you guys want me to really scare you guys? It was all huge home service companies. And he goes, what if I told you that Google is going to start buying home service companies and distributing it to the companies they own? He goes, they're going to buy the best ones, but they're going to lean on their own. He goes, does that scare you guys? And I'm curious to hear, he said that, he goes, I don't know for sure, but he goes, I know for a fact they have to continue to grow. They have to continue to evolve. And this is one of the ways they plan on doing it. They buy companies. So what are your thoughts on that? I mean, they're, they're mostly buying technology companies from what I understand. So that would be a, a stretch, but I mean, anything's possible. I'd say they'd be more likely to try and control the lead space before actually like controlling the delivery of a service. But we saw this in the insurance vertical. Google, uh, a few years ago, tried to launch their own like lead things. So at the very top of the search result, it was like a quote engine. And it freaked out people in that industry because it's like super visible, first thing you see. And they, it was a limited testing thing. So you couldn't even get in if you were a local insurance agent. So I remember that being like really huge, but then it got, it didn't work. Um, I think a bunch of the major insurance companies got together and decided we're going to not participate. And then by them not having us, hopefully this won't work. And I don't know if that was the reason why it didn't work or not, but it ultimately did fail and they ended up getting rid of it. So they don't succeed at everything that they try to do, but I definitely think they're going to obviously try to make more money in whatever way they can. It's kind of scary because they got a lot of data and we've all kind of watched our own documentaries on what's going on and, and how they control things and control elections and could actually build build a lot of stuff. I mean, just think about pixeling and retargeting at this point. It's like, and the weird thing is, how many times have you said something with your phone up, just sitting there and then the ads pop up? It's terrifying. My husband was mattress shopping and I started seeing mattress ads on Facebook. And I'm like, I'm not even searching about mattresses. He is just on the same, you know, network. Really creepy. <laughs> I Yeah, it's pretty scary, actually. I don't know what's going to happen, but you guys are experts. I know you A-B test. Can you give me some good, solid... Everybody wants to know... The, the number one thing when I say start a business is you you develop a brand. You get a good logo. You get a good tagline. You get your mission, vision, core values. You determine your org chart. You come up with some manuals. But then I say, get a small location. 
deck it out, put your logo on it, have a real office to do work in, and get your Google site on. You can't buy time back from Google. Get that thing registered, get a website built, make sure it's clean, make sure it's got a good sitemap, make sure you got great content, make sure there's good structure, and then start getting links. And links are just PR. And then, you know, what I did is I went to my bank. I went every to every company I knew, said, I want to write an article on how much I love you. And all I ask is just, just throw my link in the bottom. And they're like, fine. So it was a real easy way to do it. But you start at GMB, you got your website. What do you do to, because to, there's so many freaking bad companies out there. Everybody, yes. they have someone else fulfilling it in China or Japan or Russia. Or, or Philippines or wherever it might be, they got their VAs doing it. How do you get real help? And what kind of things do you do if you're a, a lone survivor trying to figure this stuff out? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I, we have a lot of resources on our blog. So sterlingsky.ca, like there's tons of stuff there you can read. Like we try to only publish things that are like strategy related. So like, here's how to do this, or this works, or this doesn't work. But it's, it's definitely tough to keep up with because there's a lot of kind of ongoing things. But I would say if you had to invest time in anything, keeping up with just different features that show up on Google. So, you know, look to see what features your competitors have that you don't have that might entice people to click on them instead of you. So things like photos, reviews, etc. We do a lot of basically upkeeping and actually consolidating content for our clients. So we'll often get businesses that come to us that had an SEO company that was like, you need to blog weekly. So their site now has a thousand blog posts that nobody reads, gets zero traffic and is doing nothing for them. And that's a horrible strategy. So if you're doing that, look to see if your articles are getting any traffic. And if they're not, get rid of them. Consolidate them into a page that is getting traffic. We have seen insane improvements from doing that across multiple industries. And then link building, like you said, like there's some ways that you can do link building yourself that are kind of not easy, but anybody can do. Like what you said about giving a review or a testimonial, that's huge. All same same deal would be like writing for a related company. So if there's companies that you like refer people to or are somewhat related to your industry, seeing if you can just write an article for them to put on their site. We had an insurance agent and a lawyer do that. Like we had a lawyer write an article for an insurance agent talking about like what happens if you get into an accident and you don't have insurance, like on the legal side. So stuff like that is like a, another way that you can get links from business owners. If you have friends that are business owners, obviously hit them up first. But without links, it's going to be hard to expand where you rank. So you're going to be like really limited to like your neighborhood. If you want to rank further and further away, that's where links really come in handy. Yeah, I think there's really main, three main things that really SEO evolves around. That's links, content, and the structure. I mean, with those three things done correctly, uh, you could dominate. I feel bad for small companies that just... They, they might not even have the know-how. I read a good book and I had Marcus Sheridan. I don't know if you're familiar with Marcus Sheridan. Have you ever heard of They Ask, You Answer? He is the best ranking website I've seen in the home service space, but he just puts out content after content after content after content. And he says, if they're asking prices, what Google does is success uh, leaves clues is Google has the, they'll have all these questions that answer your questions a lot of the time. So if you write articles, on the questions that pop up, like how much is a garage door, you'll find 10 more questions. And if you got a really, really strong site and you put beautiful pictures, really interesting content, and use maybe like a site, uh, it's not like in writing with a MLA format or whatever, but like a bibliography that goes to outbound links that you're bringing in other data in. What is your take on that? I mean, 
I'm not a big fan of just letting people write for me and just give them a backlink. But if I'm pulling things in, it's, it's a great piece of content. Google does really like that, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's always good to, first of all, you want to like quote your sources, right? But if you're quoting like authoritative sources and stuff, that's that's only going to help you. We do find normally that like longer form content ranks better. So if you've got one topic, you know, how much does a garage door cost? Like instead of having pages for every single variation of that, making it, you know, into sections on the same page. I'm kind of currently obsessed with jump links. So we do that where we add like a kind of sort of like table of contents at the top where you can click and it makes you scroll down the page and they actually show up differently in the search results too, which is cool. I but love yeah, that. Jump links. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. awesome. Jump links. So are you familiar with HubSpot? Yep. So I love HubSpot. What's your take on that? Honestly, I've never used their platform. We looked into using them like years ago at the agency I used to work for, but I've heard great things about them. So we have clients that use them, but we we don't. So what, what HubSpot will allow me to do is if I was to say, Joy, do me a favor. A garage is a big investment. And I want you to know everything you could possibly know about garage My goal is that you're the most informed before you make this decision. And an amazing investment, by the way, Joy, you'll probably get 102% return on investment. The garage is a smile of your home, which I just got my trademark. The garage is a smile of your home. But my goal would be, is if you take the time, I'm going to send you a buyer's guide. And it's going to go through everything about insulation, windows, wood versus non-wood, aluminum versus steel. It'll just, it's a quick read and it'll really answer all your questions. Now, when I send this to you, I'm going to get confirmation from you that you'll say, yes, Tommy, I'll take the time to read it before our appointment. The beautiful thing is HubSpot lets me know with a UTM tracking code, exactly what you clicked on, where you spent your time, and so when I go out there, if I've got a guy with a bunch of wood overlay samples, I want to send that guy, right? Because he's he's the wood guy. So it's mm-hmm. kind of a big advantage. Plus, Marcus Sheridan explains that the conversion rate goes up to 82% that you're going to buy from us because we gave you the education if you spend more than 10 minutes on the page. So what I love about HubSpot is that it tells me where people went and I can actually track it from the UTM code. I think yeah. it's kind of the ultimate advantage. And I think... It's things like HubSpot that really allow us to know what's working on our website, like heat maps, allowing people to scroll. And you do a lot of these tests, right? What what information can you give us on just things that you see? Obviously, the code at the top is a big no-no. I love the mm-hmm. idea of jump links. Yeah, jump links are huge. So I'm the most recent study I just did was on Google Posts. So I'm actually presenting on it tomorrow at our local U event. Uh, we are doing a virtual event tomorrow. And we did a study on Google Posts where we like kind of manually analyzed over a thousand listings for various industries and clients of ours. And how we determined like what worked and what doesn't was literally that, like tracking via UTM codes. So seeing like, did the person click there? Did they go to your website? Did they then convert on your website? And then what types of posts like converted better? Um, I'm guessing a lot of people listening are probably coming tomorrow, so I guess I could spoil <laughs> spoil a bit of it. But um, we found that like offer posts were definitely the type of posts that uh, got the most activity, hands down, like across the other post types. So if you're doing Google posts, make sure you take advantage of offer posts. People like to have incentives and you know anything you can throw at them is a special. It doesn't even have to be like a massive discount. It's a good thing to do. So those were definitely the types that got the, the most activity. Spoiler alert too, posts do not impact ranking. So if you're doing posts expecting it's gonna like impact where you're gonna rank on Google, it has no impact, so. Another piece for my study. When you're posting on Google My Business, so there's 
you could add services and I actually add, if you were to look at my GMBs, we added a lot of products too, mm-hmm. like the garage doors, the openers, everything. This is a three in one that you kind of go through, but adding products, responding to reviews and just posting normal things about garage doors in the summer, getting ready for summer. How do those affect it? And what are those going to do for me? So posts are a good thing, a good way to get up specials and coupons and things, right? So use posts as a way to get a message out. People sometimes use them for like blog articles and those types get almost no activity. So if you're like, here's all this information you can learn about garage doors, like people aren't going to click on that or read it or care. But if you're like, here's a coupon where you can save 10% off this service, that's something that people would care about. So use posts as like a promotional thing. Services and products are really the same thing. Like Google calls them different things, but they're you can use them both if you just do services. Like if you're like, I don't have products that I offer, I'm a, a locksmith. You can still use the product section to highlight the services you offer. It just shows up in a separate section on Google. So products are really visible on computers, on desktop. So if you go and you search your business name, products are really visual in what we call the knowledge panel. So that big blurb about your business. Services, on the other hand, are visible on desktop and they have their own tab on mobile. Um, Products don't have a tab at all on mobile. They're pretty much invisible on mobile. So like one's really mobile and one's kind of desktop. I'd say fill them both out, but neither of them impact where you rank. So only if, what if I put Chamberlain 8550 as a product and then I put who works on an 8550 into the search engine and my I would come up as a local person before Chamberlain would come up, right? It shouldn't impact where you rank at all. That's more your website content. Yeah, it wouldn't impact that. So products and services both don't influence where you rank. That being said, if you already rank because of content on your website, sometimes there's this little thing that we call justifications where it's like it pulls a little blurb from your services section saying like this business offers this. But that's not the reason why you rank. So that's where a a lot of people get confused. Ranking is like really based on content on your site, like and how your internal linking is done. And if Google can figure out what locations associated with what product, that's really on-site SEO. GMB is very little to do with ranking. Okay. So the last two years, more millennials bought houses than baby boomers. And I can tell you that the decision-making is changing. We've got a thing called Schedule Engine that we use that actually goes right directly into our capacity planning. So we know they could just simply, you know, Joy wants a job tomorrow. She simply clicks on this link, finds the time that works for her, books it. It's done. We're coming out there. There's no words that need to be exchanged. How important do you think that's going to play? And what do you think it's going to do with Google as far as, is that a good or bad thing? I think it's a great thing, but Google might say, how do I know the actions? Because it didn't happen within my platform. They lose them outside of there, right? I mean, Google wants to keep people on Google, but at the end of the day, they're not going to penalize you for having a good site. So I don't think there's any any risk there. Google's kind of own solution to that would be you know their messaging feature, right? So they really are trying to push that to business owners to activate the Google My Business messaging feature. And I would say like before, like last year, it was kind of crappy because you had to have the GMB app on your phone and you could only respond to messages through there. But they're starting to bring it back to the GMB dashboard now. So you can access it through the Google My Business dashboard on your computer. So it has a little bit more of a draw now. But that feature, although it's great, has its own set of challenges. So 
I don't know if you're like a fan of it or if you have it activated on your listings, but we've, we've definitely seen it's got its pros and cons. We've tried so many different things. The mail just started back up again for verification. I, I just don't understand that. Like, so last month I, we, we scheduled darn near 11,000 clients. And when a GMB goes down, there's stupid things that go on. And I'm like, you, you can't sue Google. Like it that doesn't work. I, I just, I'm a little bit nervous. What I'm trying to do right now, and I, I got to tell you, Google's been good to me, but what I'm trying to do is build systems that I can control. I can control my podcast. I can also control referrals. And I can create the biggest referral network that's ever happened in home service, which I'm doing. I don't control social media, really. Facebook does, but there's certain platforms that allow me to control more. So, I mean, in, in your take in things is, I tell people Google's God. I do, when they say home services. And Gary, Gary disagrees, because it's interesting, the conversation said, Billboards, TV, radio. And he goes, guys, you're wasting your money. And they said, no, 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 we make a lot of money. He goes, yeah, but you got to pay the toll booth every time. And they go, what do you mean toll booth? They go, TV, radio, billboards, you're paying Google every time because you're paying the toll booth to Google. Where do you think they're going when they remember your name? They're going to Google, then you're paying for it. And if you're lucky, maybe you'll click a GMB or an organic, but most of the time you're not. You want to rank for your own keywords. You want to pay for your own keywords. But although it's way cheaper, but he said, mm-hmm. if I were you guys, I would build 400 videos, pay for each one of them, find out which one does best, and pull people in. I think the biggest thing I had, he said, social media could act as a billboard for branding, but ultimately Google's what I go to if my- I can't get in my house or I can't get out of the garage or I got a leaky faucet. What is your take on the evolution of what's going on with leads and home service? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's accurate. I'd say email lists are a thing that I would invest in that you own, right? So we, we've done that ourselves. Growing your own email list is huge because you do own that unlike your Facebook followers or your Twitter followers. So that's another huge thing. And you can use that email list to target your ads better, right? So you can kind of mix that a bit. But you're right. Everybody Googles everything. So I mean, as much as I want to say like diversify and put some of your money towards maybe Yelp ads or some other place... There isn't quite anything out there that will deliver the traffic or volume that Google does. So it's, it's kind of hard to compete with. All right, I'm going to pop up a question. This one is uh, interesting. What's a good price for an SEO service? I was going to go with a $200 service. What they don't have with uh, you and your guests, no. I don't think I could buy a milkshake for 200 bucks these days. Um, <laughs> I know there's companies all the time for $200. I think what they do is they say, we'll get you to the first page. They'll pick the search term and They'll get something on the bottom of the first page, which means nothing. That's one search terms out of a thousand you should be ranking for. So a thousand times two hundred is two hundred thousand is what it would cost if you wanted all those terms. What's your take on it? Anything under a thousand, I'd be super, super skeptical of a thousand a month, just to be clarified. But I mean, you're probably getting someone outsourced overseas, possibly paying for nothing, right? There's a lot of that uh, where they set you up with like Yext and charge you as if they're doing something monthly. So there's just a lot of, unfortunately, like really bad SEO companies, really cheap SEO companies out there. So it, it kind of it's like used car dealers. I don't know. There's there's more bad than good. I would say like I'll be transparent. Our minimum is twenty five hundred a month. I don't think we can get results for less than that. So that's our our minimum when we work with businesses. So I think in order to to get an ROI, if you want someone that knows what they're doing and someone that's got lots of experience, you have to pay for that. But there should be no issue getting an ROI. You get what you pay for. You know, what's crazy is 
I met Matt before you, and I think I think we have a conflict of interest. You told me at some point, which I don't know, but it is what it is. But I always ask Matt. I said, I don't want to know the minimum. I want to know the maximum. <laughs> and I'm always pushing him to spend more money. And he goes, dude, more. And he's like, all right, I'll go back and look. And it's not in the it's in the tens and tens of thousands a month. And I have no problem with it. We're putting out of expert content. They're interviewing our people. We're, we're getting video. We're doing the best of the best. And I think, you know, I was in um, Matt Diggity. He puts on a convention. You know, Matt Diggity. Uh, I totally know where he is, but I am blanking on where he's from as well. But somewhere um, over there. Island, <laughs> Island. And, you know, okay. and it's amazing. But a lot of these people are spammers. I love the real deal. And what I love about what Google shows us is they show us their algorithm. If you study who's on top with all the tools we have, like Moz and all these different things, you could almost see what Google's thinking about why they rank this page. And if you look at, for example, Garage Door Springs, Home Depot ranks number one, but they don't have any links built into that inner page. It's their domain has so much authority. So what the nice thing is, if you build links to that page, it could outrank the authority of the whole website because it it's interesting stuff. But I'll tell you what, this stuff bores the hell out of a lot of home service business owners, but it shouldn't. This should be fascinating. This should be like the thing that keeps you up at night. I think one of the ultimate advantages is I love, I eat, breathe, and, and live this every day. And I'm going, what can we do to make sure that Google knows that we're the best company? And that's why we have brand new trucks because we don't break down anything we could do to separate ourselves. Apples to apples, we sell oranges. And um, I think that it's very, very interesting and very important. I know that what Google's learning how to do right now, along with, is anything going to turn on right now, Alexa and um, Siri and everything? They're learning how to answer questions. So I think, I don't think we're very far, Joy, from being able to tell one of these things around here. Look at, they're everywhere. I mean, I got them. They're just, I don't think we're there very far where we'll just tell them I want the best company to come out between two and four tomorrow to fix this. I mean, I would, I would say that's probably far away, but I, I think it depends on the industry, right? So we see some variants across the board on this. Like locksmiths, you're right. People don't really research their locksmith like crazy, but like hiring a lawyer, people do. So it depends on, I think, the industry and how much they're, they're spending and how much research they want to do on a company. I, I wouldn't just, you know, call a lawyer based off of like Google telling me they're the best lawyer. I'd, I'd want to check out some things myself. But we're definitely seeing a shift on that in some industries where it seems like people are just quickly looking for something, especially if it's an emergency service. That's where people often aren't, you know, they don't have time to research. Yeah, you know, I work a lot with Amazon on some stuff and, and Amazon works with LiftMaster and there's a thing called MyQ on yourself when you can open up your garage door. Well, now it works with Amazon Key. So now Amazon could open up your garage for one-time use to leave a Prime package, right? <laughs> And this is happening now in Portland and LA. Now they've got the Amazon freezer that they're leaving frozen goods directly in your garage. Soon they're going to have a huge refrigerator with a little thing on the pad that you just type in and say, beer, dog treats. They're going to know when you're running low on something. It's all going to be delivered right in your garage. I mean, look, the growth right now is exponential. The problem is human beings can't handle the growth of technology. At this point, it's the curve is too far for even the latest in technology to move to. So. When you said no, I believe you because we're not ready for that. But as a technology, yes, I think we're almost there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, their their voice search also sucks. Like honestly, like as someone that has a million Google Homes in my house, I feel like people give it way too much credit because it gets a lot of my queries wrong. So <laughs> I think they need to improve that quite a bit as well. So I got a question from Raquel Wilkinson. What questions can you ask an SEO marketer or a specialist to be able to tell if they know what they're doing? Hmm. I mean, ask them um, for examples of other clients they've worked on. Ask them where they've spoken, where they've written. Those are usually big things. You know, are they on any of the like the top SEO lists, stuff like that? But usually, like asking for referrals is like kind of the easy thing you can ask any company for that. So I got a new GMB. I'm a brand new guy. I don't have a lot of business. I've got my own theory on this. Are you familiar with MLM? Multi-level marketing? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So what do they tell you in MLM? They tell you friends and family, right? So I'm a big fan of, of doing the real work on a garage, on a chimney, on a lock, and really helping everybody out that you know, the neighbors, the friends, the family. And saying, hey, Joy, do me a favor. Listen, we're friends. If I do a great job for you, I want you to let me know on Google, Nextdoor, Yelp, Kudzu, Merchant Circle, Facebook. We can keep going on and on. But I feel like you got to get going somewhere. You might as well get the practice on people you know. But that's just a quick little tip that I give out is I don't want you to do fake reviews. I don't want you to pay for them. Google knows it's coming from Cambodia. Okay. And not to mention when you see reviews from the same person that are reviewing five browser companies in the same week. I mean, it's like, so I, I have a whole team that's dedicated in my cities. If something ranks, we'll drive by there. We'll take it down if it's not a real listing. Right. That's the, we're cleaning up. I think we're cleaning up the industry. And I advise all of you guys that if you see something that's at an apartment, there's ways to report that it's not real. The problem is too, is they know everything you're doing. And if you're, you, you want to make sure that you're dead accurate on this stuff. You don't want to report real listings, but what is your take? Because what can we do to spike ourselves? Geotag. I, I know there's a lot of easy little things to do, but, but kind of something that somebody might not know. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Geotagging doesn't work, just so you know. Um, so that that's something that I would, if you're doing or spending time in, I would knock that off your list. Reporting competitors or lead gen listings, I agree. You want to make sure a thousand percent that you understand Google's guidelines and you're not reporting a listing that is actually real. And the safer way to do it is not to go and do a suggested edit; it's to send it through the redressal form. That way, you're not actually kind of responsible for the edit yourself. Because sometimes you can edit a listing and it publishes. And if you're wrong, that's kind of bad. Setting it through the redressal form, you're not actually publishing anything. You're just sending information to Google. So I would submit through the business redressal complaint form. That's what it's called. If there's a listing that violates Google's guidelines. But I feel like what people often miss is they don't even see these listings because one, they're searching the same keyword over and over again. And they're not searching all the variations. So for example, for my lawn care client, we first started talking, he was like, all he cares about is lawn care. But when we're you know, searching and looking to see what's actually getting traffic, we've got lawn service, lawn maintenance, lawn repair, weed removal, weed repair, like all these different variations that he wasn't even looking at. And every single one of those variations lists a different set of businesses. So I've got a different set of competitors to look at and make sure that they're all legit. So searching more keyword variations and then searching for more locations. So if you move a couple miles away or, or even less than that, you're going to get a different set of business listings. So often spam kind of lives in those areas. Like maybe you don't see it from your office, but the moment you move a thousand feet away, it might show up. Maybe not that close, a little further. <laughs> so there's tools to do that. Like Bright Local has a tool. You can do that. You can search from different zip codes. We use Places Scout. 
So it's places scout does it on a grid. So you can say like, here's my office location. I want to see ranking within 20 miles. Give me a, a 10 by 10 grid. That's what we usually use. Um, I use local biking. Very similar. Yeah. So I'm going to teach my guys. I'd like to teach my guys how to report false listings when they're doing that. Um, Just be careful. <laughs> That's all I got to say with reporting. You are technically like submitting information to Google about competitors. You just want to make sure that you're you're accurate with that stuff. Well, the thing is, if it's in the middle of an apartment, is that really fair? Your apartment building is your business for a garage store company. Is that something that's allowed? Should... If it's the only listing that you have, there's nothing wrong with it. So there's lots of home-based businesses, right? Like Bob the plumber might work from his home. That's totally fine. You're supposed to have your address hidden, technically speaking, but that's not the same type of violation as like a lead gen listing. That's well, technically, I think advanced verification for for pay per click is way different than GMV. So I don't want to get them confused and scare people here. Let me ask you a question. So you're awesome at what you do. Everybody knows that. Someone wants to reach out to you. There's two people here. There's you and then there's the company. How do we get a hold of each? Yeah. Um, so sterlingsky.ca, the contact forms don't go directly to me. They go to our VP. Um, but like he and I talk, so I, I can see those. If, if you need something from me specifically, you can put my name on that. I'm all huge on Twitter. So anything on Twitter is from me. I don't have anybody tweet for me. So at Joanne Hawkins on Twitter, the social platform where I'm the most active, like I'm on there all the time. Okay. And then I was asked, is there a few books that you might recommend? It doesn't need to be about business, but I always ask um, everybody on the podcast, readers are leaders. You're a part of a big company that's doing amazing things. So interested in what you're reading and, and how it's impacted you. So to be honest, like there's not a lot of books like in, in my space in local SEO. Like there's there's very few. And I want to say even if they were written, they would get outdated so fast. It's probably why nobody does it. In the general SEO community, the one that I probably found the most fascinating was the one that uh, was written by Rand Fishkin, who started Moz and I think it's called Lost and Founder. But it was it was really interesting to hear like someone who started a technology company um, and how he did it and stuff and then sold it. It was is well, sorry, not sold it, but he kind of moved out of it. That one's probably the one that's, I think, the most interesting book I've read by someone who's in SEO. Okay. Is there anything else to just read? Maybe not the Bible, but... <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah. Um, no, you know what? Weirdly, I'm not a huge reader other than, like, you know, personal books that have nothing to do with work. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Okay. So I'll wrap it up here. I, uh, I'll tell you, I, I just... People were, like, calling me and they were like, dude... You know a lot, and I, I, I don't know how much more credit I could give you, but if you guys are out there, you're looking for a great company of really somebody that gets the work done and they care and they're A-B testing and they're, they're working on getting Google going, you need to reach out to Joy because she'll hook you up. And then the last thing I say is, is Joy, I, I want to give you a few minutes to just maybe a, a, go do this now or, or a little bit. Maybe we didn't hit something on the podcast or, or just maybe some final thoughts for the li listeners. I'll let you kind of take the floor. Sure. Yeah. So if you're looking to learn more about this stuff, I would check out the local search forum. So full disclosure, we own that forum, but it's 100% free. There is a paid option, but like the main forum is free. You can ask whatever questions you want. You want somebody to look at your listings, give you advice, whatever, post there. Uh, we have a Facebook group called the uh, Google My Business Insiders. It's another place. Our newsletter is also free. We send it out weekly. So that's at sterlingsky.ca slash newsletter. And our newsletter, like I, I actually put that together myself. I'm kind of like obsessive about it, but it's uh, all articles and things that 
are things that either we've written or are new as of that week. And then also Local U is our conference. So we put on conferences three times a year, all about local SEO. We have one tomorrow, but I like sales. I think are going to close in a few hours. But those are great if you want to learn more. But I'd say that they're for people that have a, a basic understanding of SEO. So if you've like never even heard of Google My Business, you might be a bit lost. You know, like I said earlier, is I went to your sales rep. Then I went to another sales rep. Then I text you. I have a hard time taking no for an answer, but um, <laughs> but you know what? I understand. One of the things I worked out with Matt is um, he can't take on any garage door competitors at all because you know we're in 15 states, going to be in 22 by the end of the year, and there is a conflict. Certain times there is conflicts, but Joy, I really, 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 truly appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we're going to meet in the future. Yeah. Take care of these people. I hope you get mm-hmm. another hundred or two hundred people because. <laughs> The listeners are, they listen to this podcast and a lot of them go take action. And I'm hoping they take action with you because the real people that know Google that are testing and know it are few and far between. So I truly appreciate you coming on and uh, have a wonderful week. Yes. Thank you for the kind words. (laughs) All right. Take it easy. Thank you guys. Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast from the bottom of my heart. It means a lot to me. And I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're going to find out all the new podcasts. You're going to be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And and do me a quick favor. Leave a quick review. It really helps us out when you like the podcast and you leave a review. Make it four or five sentences. Tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. I'm not making any money on it, to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.